0: Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Levin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field, and people who have a general interest in the topic. So today's episode is actually a very special episode for two different reasons. Because this episode is brought to you by Noala, which we'll talk about in more detail, but also the day that you're listening to this is actually my birthday. I'm going to be turning 24 So what a way to celebrate my birthday and on my podcast by celebrating our first partnership. But also I am joined by a very special guest from Michigan. And it's so amazing having guests now from all over the world. And I am joined by Rachel, who is a Noala ambassador, which we'll be talking about in more detail. But firstly, Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's lovely to be here.
0: Thank you. So can you just introduce yourself and tell the viewers what you do for a living.
1: Sure. So um, my name is Rachel Iaquinto. I am a speech language language pathologist. Um, I know you guys call us Um, SLTs, um, but here we're pathologists. So, and I'm practicing out of Southeast Michigan um, in the United States. So um, it's really nice to connect from across the pot. Yeah, I work with people across the lifespan, but my specialty um, really is pediatrics. So I work mostly with kids, and um, I work for an outpatient facility currently, and then I also see some private clients on the side. So I do a lot of teletherapy through Niwala. Um and I see kids and adults in both Michigan and Florida. And I really have a passion for music, so I use a lot of musical elements in my therapy. Um, really? Yeah, that's kind of me. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really fascinating that you're actually one of the first people who's ever mentioned music in one of the episodes, because I get asked more than normal, it's still quite rare, but I still get asked if I sing, because lots of people who stammer, they like sing, because it's sort of their way of talking, like, without, sort of, sound. but also, I, I was, there's a guest we've had called Jess Davis, Mimi Darling Beauty from TikTok, and she does drive-through videos and, and she sometimes challenges herself by like singing her Starbucks order and it's fascinating how like it distracts her from like her stammer but also like we were saying like how can I like, when you lip sync you don't stammer or like when you're reading to yourself you don't stammer but also when you sing you don't stammer however when you're with someone else you do and like it's that sort of that conscious and like have you had many clients who find music like helpful? For their stomach.
1: Yeah, I actually have, um, I mostly work with kids, so I have a couple kids who, um, really enjoy singing, you know, some, some people are kind of uncomfortable with it, and that's okay, and we just, you know, steer away from it then, but, um, I do have a specific client I'm thinking about who really enjoys singing so sometimes we'll sing our conversations back and forth and she's pretty fluent when we do sing so it's it can be a good tool.
0: And do you know why that is?
1: I don't know honestly I just kind of came across it I um, worked with a music therapist in my past position. And, you know, we were just kind of experimenting with some different things. And he, um, you know, when he started playing music, either to distract on the side or to sing our conversation, we noticed that with um, our clients who stuttered or had dysfluencies, that they were very fluent. So I'm not really sure. I think it's I know that music really works a lot of your brain or lights up a lot of different parts of your brain. So I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: Because it, what I find really fascinating is that stammering is, lots of people think of stammering or stuttering as the pace of how we saw oh, words. lot of people think that it's sometimes like slowing down or like maybe he's trying to say it quicker or like the pace around the topic is actually. One of the biggest like misconceptions, I think, because I think people think take your time, no rise, but actually when someone says take your time, I feel like we stand on wall because we feel like there's more pressure. That uh-huh. because it sort of uh-huh. makes it clearer when someone says take your time, it's actually fine because it they're sort of aware of how long it could take. But I'd actually okay. so you're actually the first guest who on the podcast is a speech and language therapist or a speech and language pathologist. Is that right? Uh-huh. I'm actually supposed that I said that without stammering, actually. But I want to know, do you know (laughs) anyone close to you who actually has a stutter or stammer?
1: Yeah, I actually don't have any friends or family members who have a stutter, but... I um, do have quite a few patients that I'm. I would say I'm close with. I mean, we have good relationships. So, um, a lot of the kids that I work with, I um, I really enjoy working with them. Um, <laughs> I don't oh, even know what else to say about that. They're just they're just the best. So I
0: absolutely love that. and I think we we'll talk about my speech and language journey, like growing up as a child, but also how. I don't think um, some people who don't understand how much of a of a difference it can do to someone. And I think my I used to remember like some of the techniques when I was taught at a very young age, that like, they've been stuck with me. And like when I but we'll talk about it like, in more detail because I'd love to know your thoughts, like maybe how different like some of the techniques are that I've maybe been taught that like over here maybe slightly different to like how you were teaching me, in, like the states. But what made you get into this area?
1: Yeah, so I I honestly just became a speech pathologist because my great-grandmother had a stroke. Um, and then after that, she had what's called aphasia. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I can explain it. Um, it can present in different ways, but basically it's another communication disorder um, where the comprehension and or the um, communication can be affected. So um, for example, it was really hard for her to say what she needed or what she wanted. And um, if she needed a glass of water, she couldn't tell us that. Um, She was unable to use her language to communicate. And so I, um, I really just saw how this affected her relationships with our entire family and you know with with everyone around her and it really inspired me to become a speech pathologist um which is funny because oddly enough i work with kids now and she her situation kind of inspired me um but i think what i what really like drives me every day is that um the relationships and communication and the way that it's perceived, and I think that's something that you can make comments on too. Um, I think that the way that I think that the way you communicate is um, it means a lot to people, and it means a lot, um, and there can be a lot of shame with it too. And I think that it's it's trying to encourage. Um, my patients to communicate openly and the best they can um to just encourage those relationships with the people around them with their family with their friends
0: yeah for sure and I think it's so fascinating how like we all sort of have like one sort of thing that sort of triggers us to make us want to go into our job and like one sort of story or like something closer to us that makes us realize that actually I do find that quite fascinating and actually that can lead to like your whole career without even realizing it at the time but also it's like the helping aspect as well like knowing that you can help others by if you like one of the reasons when i was starting this podcast was knowing that not only would it help me with other people but also help other people as well and like inspire others like grow this plan but also encourage people to do what i've encouraged myself to do like to do public speaking and like come on to like a podcast so it's lots of people would find quite terrifying especially talking about a topic like so close to their heart and so I had speech therapy for the for first 10 years of my life and I was very delayed in my first few words and I started got so I got taught Makaton which is basically symbols so if I was wanting a glass of water I would point to the glass of water or like certain symbols and like certain sign language because they, my stamina was so severe that I couldn't really form a full sentence at all. But also when I was going to like primary school, which is, I can't I can't remember what sort of grades, so like junior school in like that sort of young age, and I have so I was statemented from a very young age, so I got dyslexia, dyspraxia as well, so I had to have one-on-one support. And I went to speech therapy every single week for the first 10 years of my life. I, I still remember the route to the, to a room that I had it in. I could still tell you exactly where to go. And I can still vividly remember what was inside that room and like the person as well. And what I found fascinating is that the years that I got taught then, I still sometimes use now, like there was this slide method. And like, so like it was called slick for slide. And, it, it all just comes back to me like how you should sort of prolong it like prolong your words and like use as like a sign and there was a B method for buzzy bee like like but or like sound like I it's so weird i am not even thought about it for ages like it's all coming back to me and then when I went to secondary school and they were like Actually, you don't need speech over here, but also we can't provide it to you because it's not part of your age group. So you're basically by yourself now. And and at that stage, I was quite comfortable. So we were like, oh, okay. And I went to school with people with learning difficulties, and that school had 80 students. And then I went to a college of 4,000 students. And I didn't know if anyone else in that college was going to stammer because in my school, a few other people stammered. So I was like, but the anxiety that that was causing, like my stamina between like transitioning from like that school to the college, was huge, and I my stamina got quite bad, and that's when I got referred to. So I went to my GP, my doctor, and I said my stamina's really bad. What can we do? What support is there for someone my age, was like still young? I'm not, and he said. Michael Palin Center and I'm not sure if you know of the Michael Palin Center but it's the most transformational stammering school in the world. Well to me it is. I am very biased about the topic about the school and it was a two-week intense course for people who stammer around my age group and it was such a life-changing two weeks because I really not got only got taught about like techniques we got told about the iceberg and also the what our stammer actually is. And I think that's such a key thing to tell someone what their stammer is, because I think most people don't really know, so you see it as a bad thing, but actually when you explain it, you know that it's not your fault. And I think sometimes people with stammer think it's their fault that they stammer, but actually it's not like, it's just our body being a bit funny. And like, they made us do some very, like they made us go out into public and like ask for directions. Which is terrifying for like not does it if you don't have a stammer, but also people with the stem of actually going to ask for someone like then as you'll know, like there's some of the stems like that four of like asking for help when you don't really know how we'll be relaxed. And I've not had speech therapy since. And I realized that Michael pagan's school gave me sort of like techniques for my adult. That I could use that work, and like my childhood techniques were sort of techniques that I could use, like school and like with friends. But I realised that I needed that next step of like therapy. Does that sort of make sense? so that sort of transition for like the different life changes. So yeah, that makes so much
1: sense. That's incredible.
0: That school sounds incredible. Yeah, and it's so it's, so so. I include like all the links to everything like the so bio for our listeners to find out more. So not that many people know what the iceberg uh, what the iceberg is. Do I just give a sort of a brief background of what the iceberg is, the stammering iceberg? You want
1: me to give a background yeah. on the stammering iceberg? Well, honestly, when I think about it, I think about all what people see on the outside is that that little bit the top of the iceberg, um, and that's stuttering. That's the communication that people are seeing or hearing or, you know, the things that, uh, what everyone else is perceiving from you in the way that you're speaking. And then underneath the surface, there's so much more. I think we talk about this with, we can talk about this with so many things, but you really see this a lot um, with stuttering and there's that self doubt, there's the shame there's um embarrassment. I mean, there's so so many feelings that come with that anxiety, loneliness. Um, there's a lot of feelings that come with that. And I think that's why it's it's so important for um, people who have fluency difficulties to find someone that they trust and find a therapist and um find people in their lives that they trust that you can feel comfortable stuttering around and um I just think there's it's so much really the whole thing is that it's so much deeper than just what you see on the surface
0: yeah definitely and I think it's one of those topics where it's also one of the only sort of do you see see it as a dis- disability or not university. Yeah, do you see staring as, as like a neurodiversity, like disability, or like more like mm-hmm. a, how do you see it because I ask, like I've asked this question to a few people, and like it's sort of half and half the response to it?
1: Yeah, that's kind of honestly, I'm kind of torn because I think that there's there's a big movement um to move away from the medical model, and I think that, um, when you put fluency in a medical model, it would be, you know, labeled a disorder. And that's how we bill for it. And that's how we write our notes. And that's how we talk about it with insurance. But when we put it in another light, and really focus on the person, I don't, I don't specifically see as a disability. But you know, there, it's, I'm kind of split because there's this personal level where I yeah. don't see it as a disability. And then there's this medical level that I have to follow in order to bill for services. So I'm kind of in a, in a
0: split yeah. there. Like it's I, So I think it's one of those topics that so I think it literally depends on how you see it as well. Like I think some people, depending on how their experience has been, like I see it as a neurodiversity and I which is yeah. which doesn't fully in my head like come under disability, which it does, but like I see it as part of part of my package, my neurodiverse package. And I sort of just group it because I think I I know it's not my fault. And I think the more I've owned it, especially and the more I've done more research into it lately over the last few years, the more I've sort of seen actually it's okay. And I think I've seen the others' yeah. perspective on it. Do you get parents coming in to you and, and say it's their... F- do, you, do you get lots of sort of conscious parents that they think that they've caused their child's stomach?
1: Yes, I... They don't necessarily phrase it that way. Yeah. I think most parents want an answer. Um, and I find that with a lot of different um, diagnoses. Like, I work with a lot of kids with autism, and I find that parents just want an answer. They want something tangible um, to to say, you know, what caused this? And it's so hard with communication, um, what we call in the medical model, communication disorders, because there's really not a lot of answers. And, and it's hard as a therapist, because I want to deliver the answers to these parents and these yeah. kids. Um, but, you know, there's just not...
0: Sometimes there's just not a direct answer. Yeah. And what are the services like over in like the, the US? Because I, I know like over here, we do have, when you find the services, they're really good, but also it's more like a postcode lottery where you could be very fortunate, but also back to Michael Palin Center. So, so I was doing how was was with them been at this event and I said, how far do people travel? And they said we've had people travel from Scotland, from the Isle of Wight, from Wales, just to London to the centre. Also very because of the virtual world, they've now got um get um clients like Dubai or like the US or Australia who are now contacting them through like because of this adaptability of like the virtual nothing like the funding's slightly different when you're in a different country because they can't sort of fund it. But I was saying, what is your and the main head, Elaine Kelman, she was saying that it's not just one area. She said we're now in so many different places, but also it's just how the pandemic has sort of changed the sort of the outlook and like how it's still seen as, and like they're still medical and they still have to wear like a masks when they see their clients. And like she was saying that how it's hard for like the, the client doesn't the kids don't have to wear a mask but like they're wearing a mask and it's harder for like the kids to see like how the speech therapists are like reacting to them like normally you'd be like very smiling like encouraging but you can't see that like through a mask and as okay. you said it's quite a different sort of situation but also does have the support and like still like some clients are actually saying actually I think Maybe it's let's do it in virtual, but also you've got some clients who say, I want to do it in person because I feel like I, I can get it across to you more. So, what are the services like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really think it's a big mix. I mean, it's very similar to over there. Um, there are specific centers for stuttering here. There's um, I believe it's called the national stuttering um. I don't, I'm not sure. The National Stuttering something. I don't remember. There's, a, there's quite a few um, different places that you can go that sound similar to what you experienced. But then um, there's also, I mean, you can get, we do a lot of virtual nowadays. The same as over there. Just very, um, the pandemic really has changed things. Um I personally see quite a few people over um Noala's platform. Um, and I find that it's almost this might just be my perception, but it's almost like easier to start with um stuttering therapy on um on a platform like Noala because. Yeah. It's like you're in the comfort of your own home, you know. Like it's stuttering is so deep. Like as we talked about that iceberg, it, there's so many feelings. And if they, if someone can be comfortable in their own home, it's almost, um,
0: it's almost, in my opinion,
1: better. Yeah, better. Yeah. They're more relaxed. Um, they're regulated and ready to, you know, work. And sometimes being in a new place and, you know, with a mask on or without a mask on or um just going to a new place and meeting a new person and it, it can be overwhelming for anybody and um I, I mean it's just kind of preference of the uh client or patient
0: yeah and i think one, one of the good things about it is uh, i guess for you so, like you can have a more like variety of like different clients from like across the country but also you can sort of feel like you're like you're you could be feeling more relaxed as well because you can see that you're con- Because I think, especially when you're younger, like being taken out of like school to go to those, uh, for a speech therapy makes mm. you feel like sometimes I felt different because I, I, I was being taken out of school to go somewhere to get help. And it's like, but actually, <laughs> you can more sort of disguise it more because you could So like, a teacher could say to a student, saying, I would want to do that online course where mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're leaving like the settle and it doesn't really feel, but also you see them in their natural environment. Like you can mm-hmm. see them in like their everyday home comfort. And yeah. And I think you can get that sort of connection. And like, I guess for you, like, you can go, oh, what's fat in like your background? How what how would you pronounce that? Or, like grab a, grab your favorite toy and like tell mm-hmm. me about it. And like you're sort of mm-hmm. more relaxed and comfortable so now yeah. you've sort of led us very nicely as i've mentioned we've got <laughs> our very first pod, uh, partnership for a podcast which i'm very very excited about but also it means so much for really, you that we are par- partnering up with Noala, summer stories x Noala. and i did a tweet in january about my news resolutions normally when you set a news re- resolution you sort of start with good intentions then by the end of Jan you sort of forget about them and it sort of <laughs> loses the appeal but I did a tweet saying I'm looking for I'm looking for more public speaking opportunities to grow my confidence but I had a a DM from the Noala team saying we've seen your tweet and i would love to help you achieve that and I took part in a in a really fascinating in Instagram live with Sarah, one of her speech and language uh, therapists at Noala, and we did a, and I can, and I'll share the link to that, and we had a really good conversation about, the, like, my journey through speech and language therapists, but also her perspective on it as well, and, like, how different it is and how everyone's journey, and then we stay quite close, but also the lovely bit is that we both started off at the same time, so we, we are growing with each other along the journey, and I'm absolutely privileged to have them sponsor this episode and I'm just going to say a bit more about Noala. Noala is on a mission to make speech and language mainstream, opening up access to more families. This matters as, as communication is a very essential human interaction. This is very true and I think even if you don't stammer you can agree that's We are building a meaningful community, connecting professionals from all around the world, sharing insights and experiences. But it sort of brings us to our episode, which is I'm recording from London and you're recording from Michigan. But also, Noala Pro is a, is a digital platform tailored for speech and language professionals, offering all the resources they need in their day-to-day practice, giving professionals peace in their mind of more of what they're doing and love. And it's so exciting what we're doing. And, and I, I've seen the platform and I've seen what it's doing. And I saw the amount of paperwork my user language therapist had, like a thick file. So, this was a long time ago. So, before our computers were a thing, but there are a lot of big paper binder folders, so like every detail. And I was seeing how it's like all on one platform, but also you can get up notes, you can. Also, you can provide resources through the platform, which is amazing. You, know, you can share that directly to your client, which is an aspect which I would have loved growing up, but also something they can just refer to as well. And Rachel, you are a set ambassador for Noala, So can you just talk about what your role is as a, as a Noala ambassador? And, and just a bit more about how you use the platform as well. For sure, of
1: course. Yes, first off, I just have to say I am thrilled to be an ambassador for Noala. They are just, inc- it's an incredible team. Um, it's been wonderful to work with um, a company who really cares about the people that they are creating for. Um, and in my role, I get to collaborate on things like this. Um, so I get to do this wonderful podcast, um, have discussions over Instagram, um, conference, and to give them um, my feedback and also my patients' feedback on the platform, which has been just great because um, I think in a lot of different platforms, they just get very, um, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do. And Noala's is very open to feedback. They want to make it exactly what we need as therapists and patients. So that's just been wonderful. Um, yeah, I just have to say that they've been really helpful to me and it's been a great partnership thus far
0: oh, oh amazing so can you just talk about more like how how is it how a session with like Noala works like between you and your client
1: yeah for sure so I um go into the Noala platform and um I really it's so easy the scheduling's so nice so and then it sends um, my patients a reminder and then a link for each session, so that they just go ahead and click on it and it brings them right to my face. (laughs) Um, And then it's just really nice because they have um, different planning tools so we can, um, we can request different resources to be made different activities for all kinds of different um, diagnoses so um, There's just all kinds of things on there, which is so nice. And then you can put those as a speech therapist. You can put those in to um, be ready for your session. And then when you have your session, it's all set up for you, which is so nice. Because as you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved. And this just streamlines, streamlines it, really um I'd have to say my favorite thing is the whiteboard (laughs) as a therapist I do a lot of writing and a lot of drawing with kids and adults and um it's just really really nice and you can just take your note right on the side and I think my patients really like it because um it's just all in one you know we've got we I don't have to share my screen a million times there's not awkward pauses it's very fluid and it just allows us to have the best session possible because it's almost like we're there in person without being in person so
0: plus I guess it sort of feels like more of a safe space as well because you're talking within a you're still talking like within a speech and language setting and it's not like when you 'Cause sometimes like sharing screens, so like, sometimes you may share the wrong screen and, and I guess that can be quite difficult, especially if you may have the notes up on like the mm-hmm. person who's watching you. But also I, I am very, very impressed that yeah, you, know, you can use a, a virtual whiteboard because I tried one I've tried a few times and but, I find uh, a remote too so I think that could be my disparity, but I find a virtual whiteboard one of the hardest tools to use. I just can't I, I, really? I just do you, do you have like a stylus that you can use, or like, do you, or, or can you free freestyle with a mouse? I use the mouse, but I wow. wish I had a
1: stylus, that would be, I wish I had a touch screen computer, I don't yeah. have
0: one of those. <laughs> yeah, I am very impressed, because I, I, I can't even like do those virtual like, documents, sign the documents, and then it's just basically just like <laughs> daggered lines, all over the place. So, oh yeah. So as you talk to people who's down every day, but also you talk to so many other people like within the medical field but also friends and family and i know that from talking to like a few of the guests like people have been quite comprehensive about going to therapy and i think they see it as a sort of like a step back or they Mm -hmm. see it as a bad thing to start off with and then they really wish that they did it sooner what advice Mm -hmm. would you have for someone who's struggling to get therapy like what sort of advice would you give them to find it but also what advice would you give to parents as well who think that their child may have a stammer but they don't really know where to go because they may just be overthinking or they may just be quite conscious but where what advice would you have
1: mm-hmm. um i think my biggest piece of advice, which you would probably guess this is my biggest piece of advice, is um, don't wait. There's... um, I I think just get... If you're thinking about it, go for it. Contact someone. It doesn't hurt to contact um, a therapist or whoever, someone that can put you in contact with someone. Um, Just reach out. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think that it's, it's really down to support never hurts. Um, and I know that taking that step can be really difficult for both adults who stutter and also, um, parents of kids who stutter, um, but it truly is the best thing that you can do. Um, and I think the other thing I would say is just the first person doesn't have to be your therapist. If you don't feel that person is right for you, I think make sure that you feel comfortable with, whoever you decide to be your therapist and make sure that you can connect um, with them on a deeper level and going back to that iceberg analogy um it's so important that you can connect with someone on that deeper level to talk about your feelings um, and to really be raw with them if you can
0: yeah for sure um, so what sort of ad- would you sort of give the same advice to parents or like would you give a slightly different approach, like the more softer approach method to like parents. So do you think they should talk to their kids first or do you think they should sort of talk to to a medical professional first and then talk to the kids? Like what what advice would Mm -hmm. you have?
1: Yeah, it truly depends on the age. So I honestly would contact um, a professional first before you go ahead and talk to your child. just because it depends on the age, it depends on a lot of different factors and everyone's different. Um, So I would just reach out to a professional. That's the first thing I would do.
0: Yeah. Which I think is the case for everything really is is I think seek the advice first. And then I think the more you know, the more you will know the best way to get around. Like that will suit you, but also suit your family as well. Because I think you can talk to 10 different people who may give you 10 different advice but what, what that will give you will still give you the launch pad about like what direction because I think some people may get lost in like what on like oh where to start and like we all google too much and like when we think that we've got something wrong with us we all google it too much and I think the more you look into it the more it sort of scares you and I think but also I think have that support like know that there's other people to help but also there's other people who are going through what you think and like, you may be surprised by I mean like parents of people who you stand with, there may be a support group near you that you can just ask for advice and you'll be surprised like I think people will be surprised by how many su- support groups there are all over the world and so I got one 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 question but i'm very just curious to know what it's going to be if you could offer one technique for the rest of your career to any kind what would it be
1: this is a very hard question okay this is this is specifically for stuttering yeah okay oh this is so hard because it differs from person to person um honestly I know this isn't technically a technique, but I think giving yourself space and time and be gentle, being gentle with yourself. I think I see so many people beating themselves up and just so much shame um, that comes with a stutter. And I think. It's just heartbreaking to me as a therapist um, and just another person in general um, to see that. And I think just giving yourself grace.
0: Yeah. And that also very leads me on to our next question. And and this is sort of perfect, like perfect links together. The actual question is actually not a positive question, which is what we just talked about, and it's actually around the stigma around the topic, because as we both know, the stigma isn't the best, and it's still sadly one of the only topics that you can openly laugh about, or people feel like they can openly laugh about, but also... The bullying aspect isn't that great. And actually, for stammering children, did a YouGov poll, and the results came out with over 27, 27% of Brits think it's okay to make fun of someone with a stammer. This is a very big number, but it's scarily realistic, believable number mm. at the same time. And I've had my fair share of like comments, but I think what I've realised is that people don't get angry with people who with stammer. It's more pity and people go oh don't mm-hmm. oh bless or oh, poor you oh, don't worry it's mm-hmm. fine it's like why pity us because of the way that we speak what are your thoughts and like the stigma around the topic
1: mm-hmm. well <laughs> this is a hard question to answer because I'm an outsider looking in you know I I feel like it's almost unfair for me to make a comment on this but um Based on the comments that my patients have made, I think I'm honestly just, for lack of a better word, sickened by the amount of hurt and shame that comes with this and that, and that, you know, the, the stigma causes, it's just, it makes me feel sick, but, um, I, I'm not sure if I should share this, but I feel like it might be interesting for you to, um, hear this but I in grad school during our fluency class we had to stammer and stutter stutter in front of each other um on purpose and then um we had to do it only three only three times in public right and I I just recall being so anxious when I had planned to go out and and stutter like when I had planned to go out and do that. And I, I just have to say, I can't imagine feeling that way and not knowing, you know, I had control of when I was going to stutter and I can't imagine feeling that way and not knowing when that's going to happen. And you might know, you know, as you get older, but my kids, I'm just thinking like, oh, that would be so frustrating. Um, just feeling so out of control with that. And so I just have to say that i give everyone who has a stutter so much so much credit because there's just so much stigma and so much of that shame and it just it's frustrating
0: wow and I absolutely loved what you said because I think one of the biggest conversations I'm having at the minute is sort of that that fourth like we're always like pre-thinking our sentences and we're always pre-thinking our conversations and we're Mm pre-thinking every word that we say like it always find like stammer friendly words in our in our conversation and i i'm even though i'm talking about stammering with you now i i I, like i'm still reading like the questions and i so i still write the questions like the podcast of stammer friendly words despite it being a stammering podcast i'm still like because that's just how my brain is Mm -hmm. like Uh everyday situations and like the worst thing is like asking, is like going out into public, especially like team meetings. My team are they're they absolutely incredible, it was forties, so it's to like going to like a coffee shop and like asking for my order. I know that I won't stammer on my order, I know, but it's just that that queuing and just like and sort of like oh maybe I fancy that, but thinking no, I I'm just going to stick to what I'm used because I know that I'll stammer saying that and I'm. And I'm just conscious about the, the latter of what could happen. And I think people with a stomach expect for worse, not expect the, the, the normality, which is just, all right, nothing. And I think, and that's sort of the first time I've said that, is that sometimes I do think, oh, maybe I'll try that drink, or maybe I'll try that thing from my menu. But my stomach is like the first one, and I thought, no, I know that I was done with that, and I'm just not, it was like, I, I just don't know, like what, because it's like busy London rush hour. They may not yeah. react well, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to stick to my normal order. And I think and that just happens like a very You Think of how often that happens like, in, in everyday life for someone who's down with them, Like they're scared to basically okay. say. And 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 one way, one of the things that I say to someone who's to people to understand is that we have things in our heart that we want to say, but we can't. And I think that is a, such a powerful thing, just to show the reality of what it's really like to have a stomach. Like You're nervous when I'm like, talking about like, dealing with kids, is that like in school we want to put our hand up and I like, talk and answer that question, but we're scared because we are afraid of like how the other classmates will react if we stomach, or, like if it's a, a substitute teacher who don't know that we stim, we don't know how they'll react like we stomach. Or It's like waiting you know if there's a like a Q&A and like event, sometimes I'd love to like ask the speaker a question but I'm just very anxious to do like, even though my stamina is isn't that bad but I still get very anxious you know, about every, in you know that every in all that situation you know, like the anxiety building I've just been like oh mate actually maybe all right and the time that i build myself up to do that the time the moment's gone and it's like how can we sort of cut out that time and I, and I was saying this today I was doing his, his speech at work and I said that we all have to give ourselves a proper reason to say no to something because most of the time it's just us saying oh i want to be nervous to do that or like I'm too worried to do it or like I don't have the time but actually what would you be doing if you didn't go to that event you would just be watching tv or like you'd just be and that's was like what just give yourself a proper reason to say yes rather than give yourself a reason to say no and i'm just changing that thought process mm. and i think but i i don't think people understand like how people young people with stanford are treated and like, how that can change their outlook for the rest of their lives because no kid should ever be made fun of their voice because, and no kid should ever be scared to use their voice no like fear of being mocked mm-hmm. and bullied. And I think that's one of the key things that I just want to show is that why should you be afraid of your stamina? Was like your stamina makes you you and makes you a unique person and it is your superpower and I think there are people out there who will help you like being supportive and I think 99.5% of the time, no one really cares and like if that and and then if you catch that point five of a percent, use that situation it was I like, don't use it to take you back a step, but use it to take you forward a step, and see how you can use that to make you grow. Because I I talk about this this situation on, on I feel like every episode, but I feel like it's a very key thing. So I was in a London tube station, I was eight for a meeting, and as you know, like sometimes staring can get worse by like anxiety and like the emotions. So I was like. I couldn't find my platform that I needed to go to, so I did the dreaded thing of asking for help. I was like, "I'm really late for my. Uh, what platform do I need to go to?" And he just pointed over there. So I thought, "Okay." Still quite confused. So I went back and I said, "Being very British, I'm. I'm so sorry. I'm really confused. I was like, what? What platform do you mean?" He rolled, and at that point, my stammer was quite bad, and he rolled his eyes when I was stammering also he then told me to F off because he had already told me once before. And I was very quite distressed and quite embarrassed because there are other people around me and no one came up to me after to see if I was going. And I made a complaint to Transport for London. Nothing happened. And they didn't even refund my ticket. And I think it just shows how like companies don't like, especially like every day, Businesses like in in shops, like public service. I don't think. Do you know if they're trained on people with a speech impediment? If they come across someone with a speech impediment, in like a retail situation, because I think that's such a key aspect. that I think that would just solve so many worries that people will have. It's like like that security of you can go. Oh, I feel comfortable going to Starbucks because I know that they've had speech impediment training, and I know that they won't judge. Like, I know that I'll be comfortable with like not to sort of like diss any brands or like but knowing that they've had that sort of training and that everything's okay what are your thoughts on that's be all that I does
1: yeah well okay there's so much that to unpack there I just want to go back to your that perspective shift that you mentioned I thought that was so powerful because I think that there's for a lot of people there's this almost like vicious cycle of you know we've got how other people react and then more shame and then we're gonna try again and then other people are reacting and then there's more shame and we have to bring ourselves out of that but I think it's just a perspective shift of like owning it like this is who I am and I, I just love that you are advocating for that you are literally living it and it's just, I think it's a whole this whole that the neurodiversity movement, right, is is so amazing, and I'm hoping to go back to your last comment. I'm hoping that companies will start caring about that, and um, you know, I think that so much of life in the world we live in today is so fast paced, it's so quick. People are in a rush, um, and People who stutter and people with other communication disorders, they might communicate the, the way that they get their, what they have to say out, um, might be just a tiny bit slower or might just be, you know, it. it's not even that big of a difference, but so many people are so rushed. And I think that, um... I'm just hoping that with this neurodiversity movement comes some systematic change and some awareness, because um, I think that that's what our world lacks at this point.
0: Yeah, and and I think one. So I've I've started just thinking about like the overall like society, and I realized that us as humans, if there's a gap in the sentence, we have to fill it, and I, I think. But sometimes that gap is there for a reason. And I think, why do people think it's okay to finish someone's sentences of that person? Why do you think it's okay to finish our word for us? And actually, it would make our stammer worse. And you'll actually be in that conversation for longer. But also, you wouldn't tell an elderly person to hurry up to cross the road. So why would you tell someone who's just saying their sentence to hurry up? Because it's just not a human thing to do. And I've got a question that I ask all my guests, and I don't give you any notice beforehand. When you think of someone famous who stammers, who do you think of?
1: Oh, who do I think of? I feel like I think of, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? I, I I, think of, this isn't someone famous, but it, I think of The King's Speech, you know yeah. That yeah
0: movie? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's the first thing that comes to mind
0: that is absolutely fascinating because like the king's speech is like one of the main people but also like joe biden like with his stammer and like there's so many people like with winston churchill but i but i i love to surprise people about 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 marilyn monroe and like she had a stammer like her breathy tones were her therapist's techniques for her stammer and i think so many people don't realize that her trademark sort of her trademark position like her what she's known for is actually her technique for her stammer and I think it was like Stormzy his stamp like he doesn't do that many media appearances and that's because of someone and like with Ed Sheeran he had a stammer growing up and I didn't know that one yeah so he had a stammer growing up and Oh, who was it? And the actor who plays um, Darth Vader, he's got a stammer. Then Elvis Presley. There's so many big people who I don't think people realise. Nicole Kidman, she had a stammer growing up. And there's actually a famous celebrity and her brother. They both had a stammer growing up. And now they're they're both famous actors and actresses. And it's just amazing. And that's such a good thing to show, like, you look at these people who are doing amazing things or like have done amazing things like, like we they've not let their, let their stammer hold you back so why should you so i got one last question to round up this lovely episode with you rachel if you could give three pieces of advice to someone who stummer but also three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer, what what would they be i
1: think they're gonna kind of cross over i hope that's okay but... yep,
0: that's absolutely fine
1: uh, I think just generally, you can probably tell I'm an, I'm an emotional person, an emotional therapist. Um, my biggest piece of advice for everyone is just to be kind. I know that's just kind of a blanket statement, but I think we kind of talked about this. I I just think that people are in a rush and we need to give each other grace and we're not all out against each other and we can support each other. And that's that. I just, I hope that there will be a change in, um, a systematic change as I mentioned. So, um, for those who have difficulties with fluency, I would say one, be kind to yourself, um, give yourself grace and give yourself time and stick to what you have to say. Um, I think that's what I want to say as a therapist I know it's so much harder um being someone who stammers but um I really I think there's so many people that care about what you have to say and it um, is um disheartening to me as a person as a therapist to know that there's so many people out there who are changing what they're saying because of their stammer and um Yeah, I would just say, stick to what you have to say as much as you can, because we care. (laughs) Um, And then for those who communicate with really anyone with a communication difficulty, um, including fluency, um, again, be kind, give them time, wait, wait until they are done talking and don't finish their sentences, please, 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 please. Um, And give yourself and them grace because we all you know we all have our strengths and weaknesses and um all we can do is support each other
0: amazing and rachel it's been absolutely talking to you and it's been a joy having you as our first speech and language i'm going to go back to therapist speech and language therapist on the podcast and it's just been a huge thank you to Nawala as well for bringing, for helping us bring this episode together but also bringing this new connection between us so thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me it's been so nice talking to you and meeting you and I just it's fun to know someone else in England. <laughs>
0: thank you and thank you so much for listening to this very special episode today it's been an absolute pleasure over the last year growing the podcast of all with all my listeners, but to a point where they're now bringing a, bringing a partnership on, onto the hotels, but also bringing speech and lang- language therapy to other speech and language therapists across the world, but also to people who stand up and, and will need the support out there. And I can't find Noala enough for supporting this episode, and all of the links will be in the description of this episode, and I'll be posting them across social media as well. And make sure to also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we've all our exciting updates and facts, and also TikTok, where we post everyday situations and advice, but also I, so we'll be doing some special videos with Nawala about some stammering content. But also my TEDx will be in the description called My Stammer is My Superpower, so if you would like to take a look, feel free to take a look. And also make sure to join our Stammer Stories We community on Facebook, so you can talk to people who stammer to other people who across the world and i will see you next time in 2 weeks thanks bye